0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Nyla. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Greener Thoughts. It's the podcast about environmental news, commentary, environmental facts, and also other things that you'd like to know. This episode topic is all about the environmental factors, rural populations, and the ties to diabetes risk. The podcast Greener Thoughts is produced every Sunday and Thursday. Please be sure to favorite, review, and also share Greener Thoughts. It will really mean a lot to someone you may know. Another thing is that you can contact Greener Thoughts and you can do so by sending me a voice message. I love them and you can find out how to do it with a link in the description of the podcast and also every episode show notes. And you can also send me an email. You can do so by sending me an email to podcast at gmail.com. So let's start off with an announcement a really important one. um, I think is that um, November 1st is actually world vegan day. So yes uh, 2019 marks 75 years since the foundation of the vegan society and every year on November 1st vegans around the world celebrate and champion for their vegan lifestyle now the commemoration. Uh, commemoration um, of this event began all the way back in 1994 uh, by a UK celebrity, uh, Louise Wallace, who was at the time the chair of the Vegan Society, which is really cool. And as they also uh, celebrated its 50th birthday, um, the coinage of the terms of vegan and veganism, both of those, and also they celebrated... Um, The inception of the uh, vegan society as a whole. So very cool overall. Um, And so worldwide, a lot of things have taken place, um, of course, on World Vegan Day. So um, it's commemorated and celebrated through various uh, exhibitions, seminars, uh, public debates, workshops, you name it, festivals, those types of things. And so, November 1st uh, presents really the perfect opportunity for anyone to uh, continue celebrating their vegan lifestyle, um, and also for those who want to, um, you know, join in and be a vegan and practice that lifestyle. So, some notable uh, celebrities um, include, um, who are vegans, uh, Beyonce, Brad Pitt, Ariana Grande, Stevie Wonder... Uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, uh, Bellamy Young, James Cameron, notable director, um, P- Pamela Anderson, amongst many others. Do you love Greener Thoughts? Supporting Greener Thoughts ensures more giveaways are available with even more exciting prizes future Greener Thoughts merchandise, and surprises found only on Greener Thoughts. I greatly appreciate and love all of the listeners who have tuned in and who support Greener Thoughts by doing good for the planet. One of the many ways I would love your support is by clicking the second lower link in the description section of this episode. It's the direct support link for Greener Thoughts. on the other news is the next segment, which is a quick dose of what's happening in today's world. So the first headline is all about turmeric and echinacea supplements. So the first headline um, talks about big problems with popular turmeric and echinacea supplements. You can find out more about it on treehugger.com. So if you didn't know, 23,000 people a year end up in the emergency room Um, After taking a supplement, and, you know, that really says a lot about how flawed the botanical supplement industry is, period. And, you know, medicine should make us well instead of uh, try to make us sick, which sometimes it happens to do. Uh, So Consumer Reports recently, or CR, they recently uh, took upon some research, and so, quote, um, of the 16 echinacea and 13 turmeric products uh, we tested, we identified concerns with more than a third of them, including elevated levels of lead and bacteria, as well as low levels of key active compounds," end quote. The second headline is all about Exxon. So Exxon is on trial, accused of misleading investors about risks of climate change. You can find out more of the news story on npr.org in its environment section. Now, in the state's complaint, quote, Exxon employed internal practices that were inconsistent with its representations uh, were enclosed to uh, investors and exposed the company to greater risk from climate change regulation than investors were led to believe, end quote, And so also the lawsuit claims that this uh, had the effect of making Exxon's uh, assets appear more secure than they really were, which in turn affected its share price and defrauded investors. A third headline is um, about um, ScienceDaily.com. And from there, it's about the Arctic. So abrupt shifts in Arctic uh, climate projected. Now, researchers all the way from McGill University projected uh, that as the permafrost continues to degrade, the climate in various regions of the Arctic could potentially uh, change abruptly uh, in the relatively near future. So not so good on the climate change front. So um, the researchers are currently working on very high resolution simulations of likely effects of climate change, on the permafrost and also the climate infrastructure uh, interactions and then they hope that this will in turn uh, provide a better understanding of the various climate change feedback uh, processes in the arctic for others working in the field and also for the stakeholders and engineers in the north now for more on this uh, research and it's in the story uh, on it in climate change and the arctic Uh, I will leave the link in the show notes for you so you can check it out yourself. So um, the news story for today is coming from ScienceDaily.com, a really great source I use and love, Um, and so it goes right into the heart of, you know, what I love, research, social science, um, and a bit of health and sociology mixed in, and so I think I wanted to start the reason uh, as to why I wanted to uh, talk about this, um, and for example, um, you know it's really important for people who live in areas that may not get en- enough attention. I also wanted to highlight that you know November is you know right around the corner, literally, and you know November is Diabetes Awareness Month. And so, you know, even though it's a day earlier, you know, I thought to start the discussion about it instead of starting it uh, on November 3rd, you know, so here we are. And so, you know, this podcast episode goes out to those who uh, have diabetes or know someone who does and is affected by diabetes. Um, So I want to go and start off the topic. And so the title is... Uh, I came up with is a look at diabetes in the population, simple. So let's start with the questions. So how many people does diabetes affect and what leads to diabetes? So let's start off with some stats. So according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, diabetes affects over 30 million people in the United States. And 84 million people have pre-diabetes. So, you know, we all know the effects of diabetes and how uh, dangerous it is as a chronic illness, as a a health condition. And so what's tied into it is the excess uh, food consumption. The... Uh, fatty foods sometimes and the lack of exercise is also a factor and also uh, hereditary factors, you know, those are those ring out as major drivers to um, Being at risk for diabetes and so, you know There are other factors as well that you may or may not have known about and guess what? They're all a uh, chemical or air pollutant related. Yes, that means that you may be susceptible uh, to uh, getting diabetes, and you wouldn't have known it, and, and you may not think that you, you know, would have been at risk for it, because you may think you're seemingly health- healthy. It is one in your family, but because of your environment, because of the air that you breathe, the products that you buy, and the chemicals in those products, you may be at uh, risk for diabetes. Now, studies have shown that various pollutants can disrupt glucose homeostasis. And also promote uh, metabolic dysfunction, which are uh, key and really related to diabetes. So um, we'll talk a little bit about the pollutants next. So uh, the chemicals that have been associated with uh, metabolic dysfunction include compounds found in your home. So the types of uh, products that have or are made with uh, flame retardants or bisphenol A or thylates. Those are some of the main uh, pollutants found in products. And those chemicals are directly linked uh, to you, you know, getting diabetes. This is really important. It's not just what you eat and um, the air that you breathe. It's also the chemicals you uh, live around, work around, and, you're, and survive uh, your life around and, and, and build your life around. So, I want to talk quickly about the burden of uh, diabetes in the United States. So what's the burden of diabetes in the U.S. of A? Well, the societal cost and economic cost of diagnosed diabetes exceeds $327 billion in the United States. That's right, that's a large number, that's a large price tag we have to pay. So I wanna jump into the intent of this research that we're gonna be talking about. So the reason behind it was that, you know, while researchers have been interested in how environmental factors affect diabetes risk, you know, a majority of the studies, you know, have been in and around and about urban areas and how they're affected thus leaving rural areas neglected in uh, these analyses. And so they wanted to uh, sort of find out what's going on in rural areas and how are they affected uh, by, um, you know, having diabetes um, to the point where it reaches them, where it affects them, how does it directly affect those who live in rural areas and how so differently than those uh, in urban areas and who is most at risk regardless. Um, so next I want to get into how was the research conducted? So that's what we're going to go to next and find out all the amazing uh, quick but uh, sufficient details. So 3134 counties, so 3, counties were used um, in this research study and the research was conducted by five researchers um, and they're from the um, University of Illinois, Chicago location, and uh, Dr. Uh, Yadna uh, Jagai um, is first author, and she's the research assistant professor at the UIC School of Public Health, so good stuff there. So uh, all in all, to measure the cumulative environmental effect on diabetes risk, Jagai and her colleagues developed and uh, Environmental Quality Index, or uh, EQI, really detailed stuff. And so the EQI was derived from data, combined data, from various environmental uh, domains. And these domains are pretty particular, but they're, they're general in the sense of the categories, but they, um, I'll break down a little bit uh, later what they actually mean. And so one of these domains uh includes like the quality of air, uh water and land is, is another domain. And also in addition to that, the built and also uh socio demographic uh, factors within a given area. And uh the uh, socio demographic uh, domain was based on collected data. So um, data that's really important, especially to social scientists, um, of which, you know, I love, um, you know, researching. I love uh, socioeconomic data, demographic data specifically. Um, so the things like median household income, education, um, things like your, your violent crime rate, for example. These are the factors uh, of one of the domains uh, that was included in the research and built uh, domain factors are like your sturdy uh, mom-and-pop brick-and-mortar locations. So these included like the density and number of fast food uh, uh, restaurants in a location, the density of fatal accidents and percentage of highways versus roadways, so these physical structures. And also the density of public housing units, um, among other things, were um, built domains. Now, uh, just to let you know, this is one of the uh, very few uh, research studies that looks at the effects of diabetes risk uh, nationally, uh, and is to figure out if uh, there is or isn't um, urban or rural drivers or determinants um, of diabetes So let's look into the results now. So what were the results of the research? Well, overall in uh, rural and less populated areas, lower overall environmental quality was associated with a higher prevalence of diabetes. And environmental pollutants that were associated with diabetes have been shown to disproportionately uh, affect minority communities. So in total poor, Um, cumulative environmental quality, um, also controlling for obesity, and the leisure time, uh, physical inactivity, those type of things um, was associated with the lower uh, TDP for all the counties that were looked at. So the TDP is the total uh, diabetes prevalence. Uh, The researchers also found a few more things. They found that Uh, diabetes prevalence was not associated with overall cumulative environmental quality for all the counties in the United States uh, of America but associations varied for specific uh, domains which is pretty striking so um, the diabetes varied because of certain specific things like we were talking about those domains the air the water the land the socio-demographic Characteristics like median household income, uh, violent crime rate, uh, property crime rate, all those things. So I want to break down some of the domains, and so you know exactly what the research was about. So as far as the domains, air is are the things like the hazardous air pollutants, the chlorines, etc. Water, uh, they looked at the number of discharge permits, the contaminant concentrations also the drought status, and also water withdrawals for industrial use. Um, as far as land, uh, the researchers looked at the in- insecticide-treated crops and the number of brownfields and Superfund sites. And then as far as socio- uh, demographic uh, data, they looked at the median household incomes studied of all the counties the violent crime rates, property crime rates, um, and the percentage of individuals with less than the high school education. Also, as far as built structures, specific stuff, um, hard brick mortar physical locations, they looked at the density of fast food uh, restaurants and the percentages of roadways that are highways and other structures. And then overall, Um, Environmental quality was strongly associated with uh, total diabetes prevalence in the less urbanized and thinly uh, populated strata, so that population there. So lastly, and in conclusion, the researchers say that the discrepancies of environmental risk factors for diabetes in urban versus rural populations could inform um, how communities and policymakers approach structural problems that promote disease development. For more information on this news and the research, you can check out the journal article. It's entitled "Association Between Environmental Quality and Diabetes in the USA, and it's in the Journal of Diabetes Investigation and that link will be in the show notes. It's a great read. It's fully available. Um, I try to um, go for journal articles, especially when I do the news stories about them and discuss them with you all, Um, make sure that they're fully available because sometimes, um, and I know that this is a, you know, hard pill to swallow within the social science community, but sometimes you have to pay for the certain journal articles. And so I try to make it um, fluctuate between, you know, things that are really, really great news. And I think would make sense to talk about and trying to make it accessible, especially if it is a journal article. So I'm glad that I uh, got to share it with you and have it be accessible. It's fully, you know, able to, you know, be read and it's there for you to enjoy. So a notable quotable is from, again, the first author, Dr. uh, Yatsna, uh Jagai. And she is first author in research. Assistant Professor of Environmental and Occupational Health Sciences at the UIC, the University of Chicago, School of Public Health. She says, quote, there might be something happening in rural areas that is different than in urban areas. Our findings suggest that environmental exposures may be a bigger factor in rural counties than in urban areas in the U.S., The environment that we are exposed to is broader than pollutants alone. Our health is dependent on these combined effects, such as sociodemographic or built stressors that can impact our livelihoods." My thoughts on the topic aren't uh, very varied, but they are pretty passionate, um, you know mainly because I say that you know diabetes does not discriminate at all anyone is subject to the fear and the pain and the time and the headache that you know diabetes is I know of you know some family members that have diabetes and it's it's not great for them and they've been suffering for some decades now and You know, I think that with the way this chronic illness is, I just wish that there was a cure already, you know, and and the more um, I see the different documentaries and the things that are out there and I read uh, certain uh, information, I feel like, you know, diabetes is something that in some way could be preventable, but at the same time, it's not, you know, depending on who you are and other factors like that. So, you know, where you live matters and, you know, your life choices affect your quality of life, you know, to a greater extent than you know. You know, where you live, what they were talking about, social, uh, socio-demographic um, uh, factors uh, such as your median household income, they determine where you live. What you can afford determines where you live if you're um, living in an area that is home to certain pollutants, certain industries, certain commercial um, Uh, properties that happen to not put your health um you know at the forefront you're susceptible and so you know you have to realize that everything is sort of connected and it's hard you know do you live in a food desert you are more more susceptible to getting some of these chronic illnesses high blood pressure you know um high cholesterol levels diabetes asthma you know um Autoimmune diseases, all types of other things um, make you know living in these areas tough. You know, do you live near or far from a major highway? Um, you know, I live ten minutes from one. You know, it's not to say that you know I would be or wouldn't be more susceptible, um, but at least I'm not living directly near the highway. I think those people who uh, happen to live near the highway, you know, should move. But I understand, of course, that everyone does not have the access, resources to move. But your health should come number one. That's what I'm saying here. I'm uh, also saying that diabetes is a horrible disease. And yes, I do wish that one day it would be cured. Um, and uh, also, I realize that for the people who... uh you know, live in areas that, you know, may not increase their their livelihood, that may not do anything good for them. Like, you have a choice. You know, are you in an area where there is a disproportionate amount of industry, commercial facilities, and other structures? Like, these things will affect your overall quality of life. We have to know this. We have to to suck it up realize this truth and you and your family deserve better. You know, if you live somewhere that's, you know, a trailer park or if you live someplace that, you know, doesn't have the best amenities or, you know, you'd rather live in the city but it's too expensive, you know, you also can help, you know, bridge that gap and either earn money but also you can fight um at the local level and the state level and demand that change occurs, you know. Um, and we forget to sometimes use that tool. I'm surprised um I didn't see more about um that in my research, you know, about the ways that we can sort of, you know, fight back against this because it's kind of hard sometimes. You know, you know, your family, your health, your health of your kids, if you have any, the health of your family, your immediate family Anyone that you know, you know, they're at risk. They could be at risk for, you know, diabetes, especially if it runs in your families, especially if you live, work, breathe around certain products that I'll get into a little bit later that I want you to avoid because you could, of course, put yourself at risk for getting diabetes. You know, if diabetes runs in your family, make sure that you keep yourself healthy any way that you can. You know, maybe you can go vegan, like we talked about in the announcements. So I want to talk next about the healthcare industry. And, you know, I, I think that it's not a place that's going to cure diabetes, um, even though I do want there to be a cure, cure, a cure for diabetes. You know, and it's a chronic illness. And they do make money off the fact that people are diabetics. You know, Sanofi and... You know, the skyrocketing cost of insulin was insane, and it still is. You know, 2018, 2019 have been big years for diabetics, and they're dying off. Some are, are really dying. You know, you have diabetics out here dying from the lack of insulin, and they're rationing their insulin. You know, you had uh, Alex Sean Smith, 26 years old, a little bit younger than me, like uh, by as of, as of his age when he passed away. Um, you know, just a year uh, f- uh, from my age. And he died of diabetic keto- ketoacidosis from rationing his diabetes medication. He had type one uh, diabetes. And then you have um, Jessima um or Jesse uh, David Sherer Radcliffe. He was 21 years old and he died from rationing his diabetes medication too. And both of them were from Minnesota. So they're uh, Minnesotaans. And, you know, those are some of the terrible, sad stories of real people being affected by diabetes because the medication is too high. They can't afford it. You know, I'm saying this is a tragedy. You know, if you, if you end up catching diabetes, do you have to worry about your insulin going up too high? That shouldn't even be a worry. You have People have insurance and sometimes it doesn't cover it, but insurance companies have to change. These industries that that park themselves in your neighborhoods have to change. They have to leave. They can't just sit there and make money off of you and at the same time, you know, kill you silently decades later. They're killing your loved ones, your, your sons, your daughters, your nieces, your nephews, your best friends, your God siblings, your, not God siblings, your God sons, God daughters, anyone who you know you know, is affected by diabetes and they happen to be purchasing products that contribute to the pollutants that make their disease possible for them. It's very tragic. I just want to conclude with a few more things. You know, that diabetes is not about what you can have. It's about what you can not have. You know, it, it's sad. You know, I don't have diabetes, but the people I know who do have it they talk about the things that they can't have. Certain foods, barbecues, uh, events, buffets, uh, graduation parties, etc. There are foods that they can't have or they're minimal and they miss out. The taste of food, the luxury, the, the maybe some would say privilege of eating certain foods, of having that access there. But no, they can't have it because of a disease that they didn't want, that they may or may not be um at risk for, or were at risk for, that they got, and they they have it, and it's hard to get rid of. I think a key takeaway, the last thing, is that corporations, chemicals, and calories shouldn't determine whether you get to have diabetes or not. You should get to determine whether you have diabetes or not. What you put into your body, what you buy, what runs in your family tree, You should decide how you get to live your life, and diabetes shouldn't determine that. You should live a full life, a healthy life, and no one should have to pass away unsuspectingly because they couldn't afford their insulin medication or because they were too poor to move out of an area. And because of the pollutants and chemicals in the air in the region, they're now predisposed and are pre-diabetic or diabetic. Next, in the Mother Earth Minutes, I want to talk about a few helpful but powerful resources that can help you and talk a little bit more about diabetes. So the Mother Earth Minutes is where I review, in the next few minutes, actions that you can take to combat the issue in the episode and as always, save Mother Earth. Now, the message for this Mother Earth minutes is that where you live matters. Yes, there are many things that you can do to help, um, you know, determine whether you may or may not be at risk for diabetes. And so, I think one of the first things, the really most important thing, is with the first tip, is that you should vote and can vote against toxic industries setting up shop where you live. And producing products that put your health at risk you can determine uh like we did like with the amazon um uh, regional distribution center uh, a few months back uh, i think prior to august 2019 a little bit around that time um i i was pretty much around that time or before that time i was um spreading around and talking about earlier in some of my podcast episodes about um, getting that Amazon um, warehouse closed for good and not having it uh, even be proposed or um, bid on or anything in my region, you know, not too far from me, maybe within a 20 mile, 30 mile radius or so that cla- got closed down. You know, we didn't want that in our backyard, uh, full uh, NIMBY style, not my backyard. And we, as our Prince George's County residents, people who pay taxes, did not want that polluting yet powerful industry um, or that company, Amazon, to be uh, amongst us in our uh, neighborhood. So we decided to rise up, and you can too, going down to your local um, uh, uh, officials, who make decisions? You can uh, present your case, get lawyers involved, sue if you have to, but make sure that those companies, those uh, industries that want to take over where you live, make sure that they don't. The second tip is that you can stay away uh, from you know toxic products, but also you you know do not uh, have to buy and shouldn't buy the following products. Uh these things, like we talked about before, they disrupt your glucose homeostasis, and they promote metabolic dysfunction. you know and these things are related to diabetes and topics, so you know we've been talking about it, and uh we talked about you know flame retardants and bisphenol a and we also talked about thylates but uh, I didn't get to talking about the specifics of them, which I said that I would so these products contain flame retardants. you know, furniture foams, carpets, uh, certain curtains and other textiles, paints, foot, um, food packaging, not foot packaging, food packaging, surfboards, home insulation, appliances, toys, electronics, so your laptops, televisions, phones, cables, wires, circuit boards car seats, and other automotive parts, and also baby products. These things are to stay away from. These things contain flame retardants, very toxic. Uh, The next uh, chemical to stay away from are the ones related to bisphenol A. So these products, these following products contain bisphenol A. So canned foods, you know, these are because uh, mostly metal cans are lined with a sealant containing uh, BPA. Uh, Also, sports water bottles may contain BPA if bought before July 2012. Uh, Also baby bottles, sippy cups, and other containers designed for children 3 years old and younger may contain BPA uh, if bought before July 2011. And then other uh, BPA in other types of hard clear plastic food or beverage containers are a no-no especially um, because the other symbol or the number 7 uh, may definitely contain BPA and also um, cash register receipts, those are a no-no because of the uh, bisphenol A within them. Now, What to do as far as um, certain containers? Food containers already at home, replace any pre-2011 baby bottles, sippy cups, water bottles and other hard clear plastic food stored containers. Do away with those, throw away cracked or scratched plastic containers, you can recycle them if possible. Um, and then you can also use glass or unlined stainless steel water bottles. And then you can keep all the plastic containers labeled 1, 2, or 5 because those do not generally contain BPA or other types of harmful chemicals, uh, plastic ones um, you know, for you to be concerned about also you can dispose of any plastic container that of course has the number seven the number the other type of plastic uh, inside the uh, recycling symbol so the number seven within the um, three-way rotated uh, arrow triangle recycling symbol do away with number seven Um, even though not all um, seven number uh, plastics contain bpa you know it's not really easy to tell which contain BPA and which don't, so just do away with number seven. So as far as uh, food containers that are made from polycarbonate, um, use polycarbonate plastic for cold storage and and for non-food items. And also uh, when you're heating your food, do so in glass or ceramic uh, stainless or stainless steel um, containers Um, And then when it comes to polycarbonate containers, you know, the food uh, will have um, the chemicals um, from um, the heat uh, leach into your foods and also your liquids. So make sure you have uh, BPA-free types of containers. And also when washing these containers, these polycarbonate containers do so by hand instead of um, by dishwasher because they'll prevent uh, scratching and we all know scratching releases more BPA. Now as far as safer practices for receipts, remember remember to wash your hands after handling these receipts and um, you can also consider putting gloves on uh, before handling a lot of receipts. Now next thing is with dilates, so I'll talk about that. This is still tip number two, so these products contain phthalates. So phthalates are plasticizers, these things are used in hundreds of everyday products from vinyl flooring, adhesives, detergents, lubricating oils, automotive plastics, plastic clothes like raincoats. They're also in personal care products like your soaps, your shampoos, your hairsprays, and also your nail polishes. Vinylates are everywhere, people, and they are in a lot of other things, like um, polyvinyl uh, chloride plastics. so your um, plastic packaging that is film and film sheets and garden hoses. They're also in inflatable toys, blood storage containers, like those in hospitals and in the medical field, uh, and they're also in medical tubing and also some children's toys. Uh, number three and the last tip is to stop exposure to certain chemicals. Uh, most is best though we all know that we can't always do that. So uh, inhalation of household dust is believed uh, to be the main way people are exposed to flame retardants and it can also be ingested through food or absorbed through the skin can also limit your exposure in the house by keeping dust levels down by wet mopping, vacuuming with a HEPA filter, and keeping HVAC uh, systems clean. You can also wash your hands before eating uh, since hand to mouth. Uh, contact can lead to flame uh, retardant um, exposure um, and, and especially do this for uh, children, small children especially. Um, and then if possible, avoid buying and please avoid buying furniture and baby products filled with, um, polyurethane foam. This is, you know, gross, durable, you know, long-term piece of foam in, in, in item in your home. And, you know, even now some manufacturers are, Um, getting the hint and are uh, making products that are restricting the use of those chemicals which is fine but still not enough so again avoid the polyurethane foam there and then also uh, test your well water if you have any for uh, PBDEs and don't let children eat dirt or play near waste sites and factories because some flame retardants are known to bind to the soil. The eco-fact of the day is that EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler says that, quote, most of the threats from climate change are 50 to 75 years out, end quote. The Sierra Club files a Freedom of Information Act request for Wheeler's sources. That fact was found from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the September-October 2019 issue. Green of Thoughts wants to hear your story. You can self-nominate or nominate an individual who exhibits environmental stewardship and protects the environment. If you volunteer in or work in an environmental company, either way, let Green of Thoughts know. If you want to tell your story and be in for a unique surprise, please send me a voice message. Just click on the third lower link in the show notes. Everyone, we've come to the Eco Company Spotlight where I'm going to let you know about this amazing product um, coming from an amazing company. Um, and if you know of anything uh, regarding companies, especially one that you may be a part of, um, and you have great products that you love for me to, of course, review. I can definitely do so i've been doing so since february 2019 and i love it You can always be sure to voice message me or email me uh your um you know company details and the like so for now uh, i want to let you know about a really great uh, company called farmhouse fresh since 2005, Farmhouse Fresh has been producing exceptional quality, homemade feel, body care, bath and fragrance products. Located on their Hilltop Ranch in McKinney, Texas, the Farmhouse Fresh team grows and crafts skincare products that are two things. Freshly harvested and soothing supple spa treatments, whether certified organic or their 100% naturally-derived ingredients, all Farmhouse Fresh products are chock-full of fruits, vegetables, milks, and more from U.S. farms, including their own. So regarding their commitment to sustainability, Farmhouse Fresh are proud members of Go Texan, as nearly 98% of Farmhouse Fresh products are made in Texas. Farmhouse Fresh are also members of the Organic Trade Association and Society of Cosmetic Chemists, Southwest Chapter. And Farmhouse Fresh is a certified women-owned business and holds two patents and dozens of trademarks. So if you want to see how Farmhouse Fresh does in the press, be sure to check out their website page, specifically www.farmhousefreshgoods.com forward slash press dot html. From Allure, Cosmopolitan, Ebony, L, Essence, In Style, Oprah's O List, People, Redbook, and more, Farmhouse Fresh continues to make its mark as an icon in natural and organic beauty care. If you would like to call them, you can do so at their customer care line at 888 773 nine six two six extension seven zero six you can email them also at their email address care at farmhousefreshgoods.com i want to talk about my experience of farmhouse fresh i love it because i first purchased them back probably 2012 maybe 2010 or so around that time and i first bought their sweet cream um, fine uh, Sea Salt Body Scrub and also their Citrus Grass Fine Sea Salt Body uh, Polish. Uh, I love them both because their scents are heavenly. They smell like they just came off the farm. Um, and they last for years and years and you know they're really great especially if you scrub infrequently. Like if your skin can't always take their harshness. They come in really great packaging. I I fell in love with it. It was so Um, like organic and natural feeling, very homey, um, down-home feel. Um, Their prices range for their products, so, you know, there's something there for everyone. And I just can't get enough of their packaging and their ingredients. It's just so simple. And they really do well, um, especially if you love to just take care of your skin. And, you know, with their packaging, it is very cute. You know, their woven bag, that plastic jar that tin uh, lid and their wooden small spoon I, is so, so iconic. I still have uh, some of their uh, packaging and some of their uh, products still after all these years. So Farmhouse Fresh uh, products can be found online at their website, www.farmhousefreshgoods.com. Also on Amazon.com, eBay.com. Uh, among other stores online and in stores across the country where available. Farmhouse Fresh is on the following social media platforms of Facebook at Farmhouse Fresh Goods, Instagram at Farmhouse Fresh, um, LinkedIn at Farmhouse Fresh Goods, Pinterest at Farmhouse Fresh, and also Twitter, uh, lastly, at Farmhouse Fresh. Last thing for you to contact Farmhouse Fresh, please go to their site, uh, farmhousefreshgoods.com and then click on contact us at the bottom of their website to contact them. Now, hopefully you loved this uh, episode as much as I did learning about some of the really, really harmful things um, that can happen, you know, being susceptible to Um, you know, specific regions where you may live and you didn't know that your, you know, diabetes risk could be elevated, especially if you live in those rural um, areas or if you live near places that have chemical plants or uh, manufactured toxic uh, products. There's a lot more to learn. Um, I think I'll probably do even more uh, episodes about um, health specifically, and maybe I'll turn it into a segment and turn in... um, do uh, varying podcast episodes, maybe within a month, um, and do it themed. And so, you know, people can learn a lot more, especially about environmental health um, as a whole. So thank you all for tuning in. Again, I had, you know, a great time talking with you all. And I uh, hope you all, you know, share this podcast episode, you know, maybe with someone who's affected by uh, diabetes, which we've talked about, um, or someone who may even have pre-diabetes. You know, that's scary stuff there, too. So thank you again for listening in and you all take care until the next time for another podcast episode. But until then, you all take care. Bye.